Hello and welcome back to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Churchman. And in this episode, Faith Fuller is talking about setting a coaching agenda. Establishing a clear agenda at the start of a coaching session is incredibly important because it sets expectations and also influences the relationship between coach and client. It's a powerful tool that can set the tone for everything else to follow. But it can also be the coaching session in of itself. As Faith explains, the agenda doesn't have to be something we rush to get done at the beginning of the session. When a client doesn't know what they want or brings a really broad or vague goal, how can we help them to get more clarity around their wants and needs? So here's Faith to tell you more. Okay, so Faith, I wanted to talk to you today about an issue I've been having with some of my clients. So quite a few of my clients come to me with general topics, general issues, but they don't have a specific agenda. And I'm really struggling to pin it down without putting my own agenda on the on the session. So how do we get a client to their agenda without pushing them in a certain direction? Uh, that's a great question. And something that we've always been really sensitized to because one of the big things as a coach training school is helping your clients to get the agenda. And it's a big deal with the ICF about having an agenda and, and all that. And here's the main thing I noticed that our students don't understand. I think people often feel like get the agenda is checking a box. I need to check the agenda and that means I have to ask three questions like what's important about that agenda for you? How would you know we've been successful in our coaching? What kind of outcome would you have? You know, all those questions that the ICF really wants to make sure that are answered but I think people view that the agenda is like, get it over with as fast as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a box to check. But here's what I want people to know is getting the agenda is the session often. Really? Yeah. yeah. I've never thought about it like that before. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're so right. Um, people often come in and they have these big generic, you know, I'm just not very happy. You know, that's the biggest you could be. You know, usually it's not quite that broad, but it, it's sort of like, you know, I hate my job or, you know, I'm having difficulties in my marriage and they don't have the, you know, they're coming to you to find out, you know, what is the agenda? They don't know always. Mm. Um, now, some people do, you know, they, I want to get over my fear of public speaking. Okay, great. Check. <laughs> But a lot of what I think people um, come to coaches for is to find out what the issues are. Yeah. So suppose I take the pos broadest possible one, which is I'm just not very happy. Then it's actually easy. All you have to do is unfold that. It's like, so say a little bit more about that. Well, I guess I've been kind of depressed lately, you know, I don't have any energy to go to work, you know, um, I just don't feel like I'm enjoying the activities I used to enjoy. So there I might ask questions about depression, since if they're depressed, I want to refer them to a therapist. But actually, just relax. Let's find out about why do you think you're not enjoying the activities you, you usually do? What's, what's going on with that? What are you noticing? So I just made the mistake of doing three questions when you would just ask one. 
So what are you noticing about your usual activities? Pause. And just ask powerful questions. You don't even need any ORSC tools. Just ask powerful questions. Well, I just don't seem to have any energy. How do you know you don't have any energy? Well, I take naps in the daytime. I, you know, open it, open it, open it. There's a many agendas. If it's too broad, it, what it means is that you've got a one blanket statement covering a host of agendas. Yeah. There's a billion agendas in there. They just don't know that, but you do. <laughs> so would the whole session be unfolding to something that's a little bit more tangible? Yes. Yeah, and that's a great outcome. So one thing, if you're thinking along the lines of what's my supervisor going to be looking for here or the ICF, you might say, so it sounds like one of the things we could focus on today for our agenda is what exactly is going on that you might want to work on more. Yeah. Boom. It's there. So then find out, just get, in some ways it's very easy because it's just getting super curious. You know what? And you could take the whole session um, I sometimes have people come to me because they want to be coached on their spiritual evolution. And now that can sound super scary. You know, what the hell? Your spiritual evolution. But it's the surprising amount of people come and they want to go, you know, they want to develop their spiritual selves. Great. Now get stupid and ask dumb questions. What does that mean to you? Spiritual development. Blah, de dee, blah, de dee, blah, de dee, blah. Yeah. Great. And so you say feeling one with all things. When you feel one with all things, what are you aware of in your body? Ah, so, you know, actually it sounds like what you're telling me is that your mind is quiet, but you feel very connected through your senses. Feedback what they say, peel it out. Where's the place you feel most stuck in your spiritual development? They'll tell you, you know, I don't, yeah. I really know what I need to do. Great. What's that? Well, I need to go on a retreat. Fantastic. What's getting in your way? So, bum, there's a concrete one. Just keep peeling the onion, being fascinated, and you'll end up with dozens of agendas, and it might take you the whole session, and it was brilliant. I love peeling the onion. That's a lovely way of thinking about unfolding. I guess my next question then is about these multiple agendas. I was coaching a couple the other day and they said they wanted to work on their relationship, which is obviously you know, a really big topic. <laughs> and then obviously started to unfold and there are so many things there. And Too many agendas. Yeah, and I couldn't hold all of that. I mean, I don't know how many sessions we'd need to really hold all of that. So, so how do you start to prioritise and, you know, really get clear on on what they want to get from the sessions yeah that's great i you know one of the things that i do is um particularly because if you're starting with a big agenda i want to improve my relationship <laughs> and i get that all the time working with couples or i want we want to improve our team relationships whatever they are and they give you 70 things that they want to do <laughs> it's you can just ask them so First of all, I use a frame, particularly with couples, of the most I'll meet with a couple is six sessions. Okay. And then we'll evaluate. Knowing we're working six sessions is safe for me and for them. Because mm -hmm. they're not committing to, oh my God, this coaching is going to go on for 10 years. You know, and, and I'm not a believer in that. It's most effective to create a time shoot 
and then evaluate. So I've worked with some people, you know, where we did go for months, but six weeks at a time. And you can determine what are we going to do in the next six weeks? You know, what are some of the topics? Now, do you actually do those topics? Maybe 50% of the time. You know, the other 50%, the topic's actually different from what they think. And it changes as you do the sessions. Yeah. But short time frame and evaluate. How did it go? What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Where would you want to go next? You know, what's your latest understanding? So that's one thing that helps keep it narrow. Mm-hmm. And then you go, so we got six weeks. We agreed on that. What shall we do in that six weeks? What's the first thing that, you know, and if they say, I'm trying to think of a, something really broad again, I might say, so that's a broad topic. Great. Love to do all of that, but let's, let's break that one down. Mm-hmm. So if we can't do all of that in six weeks, but what's the most important part of that that you would like to make sure we cover? Yeah. So yeah. How's this land for you? I, I really like the sort of time pressure, the container around it, because it's like when you're, you're, dealing with a project if you have loads of time you just don't get around to it whereas when you've got one week to go suddenly you manage to (laughs) to find the time and I wonder whether it's the same with you know a couple or a business partnership you know if they have to really land what they want to land in six sessions they get more particular and they maybe are more focused and take it more seriously maybe as well absolutely I certainly think they get much much more focused Part of my job for them is, you know, I can't tell you how many times that we've gotten a call from a business and they sort of say, we have this much amount of training money and we need to spend that training money before the end of the year in June. And we go, okay, first of all, alarm flags go off for me immediately there because it's like, why? Why are we suddenly doing this at the last minute? But then I say, so what would you like to focus on? And they say, yeah, we have basically three days of training we can do let's just say and they and I will great what would you like to focus on cultural transformation (laughs) (laughs) so big (laughs) yeah yeah and usually I'll laugh and I'll say yeah okay you know I don't think we can do oh yeah I don't know what your idea of cultural transformation is but let's find out and then but you have to be ruthless you have to be ruthless because there's nothing worse than agreeing to do something You know, I mean, you can usually not do everything in your purview anyway, but if you've sort of promised the, this huge vague ending and you can't deliver, you look bad and the client's dissatisfied. So I, one of the things I'd love to say, if you get those vague things, I want to improve my relationship is do send a, spend a session on what does that mean? But also make sure you find out how's it already good? What's working really well, because that'll teach you something about the things that aren't. So with that example, would it be better to reframe it and be like, well, I can't change, you know, the culture of this company in three days. But what we can do is explore it and start to find out where it's working and where it's not. That would be a different way of story. Definitely. And that's usually discovery before you actually create the session. So that's usually on me as a coach, uh, you know, to either charge them for discovery Mm -hmm. Or to say, I don't charge you for discovery. I often don't charge for discovery, but sometimes I do. But the point is, is that then you can break it down to what does that mean and let them choose what it means and let them choose the order in which things should be done. My job is to give them a reasonable expectation of what could be done in three days. So I don't set them and me up to fail. So with regards to discovery and diagnostic assessments, the things that happen before 
the agenda. What are your thoughts around that? All assessment's critical, mm-hmm. you know, and it's critical for any kind of system. It doesn't matter whether it's a couple or a family or a team or an organization. You have to know what's going on. You have to meet the client where they are. So you want to find out where are they and what's going on. And so assessment is, you can't do coaching without some kind of an assessment. Mm-hmm. What kind of assessment you do varies enormously. So for example, organizations love tools, assessment tools. And I love assessment tools. They're incredibly useful. Things like the Leadership Circle or uh, there's a billion of them out there, Myers-Briggs, whatever. They're great. But here's what the client loves assessments. I love assessments. They're a great opening. It doesn't matter what the assessment is. You can take a look at things like different lands. So suppose you do Myers-Briggs. You can take a look at what's the land like for the introverts versus the land like for the extroverts or the sensory people versus the you know perceptions people. At any rate, all those things are land. So it's a natural opening and easy to do. Um, the problem with tools that are assessments or surveys that are assessments is when you have one tool, everything, for example, if all I have is a hammer, I'm going to look everywhere just for a nail. You know, that's the tool I have. So everything's going to be a nail. And assessments give you a little teeny piece of the picture. Okay. So it's a great little teeny piece, but I've had horrendous things happen. Like I work with a a great assessment. It was a, you know, leadership circle tool, which was great. But what actually came out through interview was that the biggest issue in the company was actually toxic environment. And that really came out a little bit, but um, there was actually a huge piece around sexual harassment that didn't show up on the survey, (laughs) needless to say. So that turned out to be the issue, much more so than the data that came from the leadership circle in that case. Now it can show up in power and control and all that stuff, but you just need to be careful. So I usually do some kind of broader based survey interview or survey, but written survey, as well as a tool. And I can't tell what's going to be the most important tool till I know the issues. So the issue for in terms of assessments is do them. If you've got a couple, you need to walk through issues of things like how's their health? Is anybody sick? Is that a ghost in the system? How's their sex life? Is that a ghost in the system? Money issues, children issues. You got to do walk around and tap on all the walls to find out what's there before you know what the agenda could be with them. So assessment, absolutely do it. How you do it, there are strengths and challenges to different kinds of assessment. So how does that land for you? I was wondering about um, in person over the, the survey style assessments I mean, what do you prefer or does it depend if you're dealing with a team and a couple say yeah you know problem with face-to-face is it gives you a ton of information but it's not always practical okay so when you do face-to-face interviews you get very narrow focus of that person again that you're interviewing but if you're in any kind of a larger organization, even, even a small organization that has like 10, 12 people in it, unless you're going to be asking the exact same question of 12 people, which is very time consuming, you're not getting a, an even spread of information. So I don't usually work face to face, although a visit to the company, if it's local, it gives you a big sense of the emotional field that's helpful. 
I usually will use survey and, and on phone interviews, you know, okay. with the whole team, with the whole team. So the way I usually do that is I do some kind of a survey and I may use a tool. And then I have a, let's talk about the findings of your discovery sessions. So they all come to that because they're curious. And then you can say, here's what your leadership circle said about the situation or your positivity and productivity piece. And, you know, how it showed up there, team coaching, international stuff. But I'll also feed back anonymously what the open-ended questions were. So, you know, I might ask in the survey form, what's the, if you were to list the top three things you think would improve this company, what would they be? The biggest obstacles. So I will go over that information and say 20% of you felt it was this issue, 20% thought it was that issue. So I'm not outing anybody in terms of uh, anonymity. I'm getting trends. And then from there, it's really easy to go to. So given that data, first of all, do you agree with it? Don't agree with it? What do you think? Given that, what are some of the things you might want to focus on in your coaching? So assessments give you a beautiful, smooth on-ramp to okay. your agenda. But what happens then if you have two or three or 10 different agendas showing up? So I've had it with a business partnership where they both, they've got completely different ideas about what they're going to work on in this session. Where do you go then? Well, right in that session or in terms of future? Uh, that session and future. I mean, it's obviously saying something about their dynamic, but it, yeah, I didn't entirely know how to handle that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, uh, the biggest thing is, is that coaches often feel like it's their job to solve that. But I love that you said, you know, I might say, so I noticed that you have come divergently, you know, opposite ideas about what we need to work on in this session. Does that happen a bunch for you? Are you often in very different places? How does that work for you or not work for you? Or is it an issue? So I'll, I will reveal the system on that. But then I would say, so how do you want to handle it? Not my problem. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say oh, not yeah. my problem, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, not, it's not mine to choose or to push or pull. Unless I do have an opinion, like this is not going to be feasible for us to do in whatever many sessions, you know, I may have information given the agenda, but other than that, the whole issue is going to be, how do they solve that problem themselves? Yeah. But what if one of them is quite dominant and say one mm. person's just driving the agenda and the other person's just sort of like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Where do you go then? Oh, that's a great, it's a dilemma what we see all the time. It's also true in couples one's more dominant. So the first thing you do is, I'll bet you know, reveal the system. <laughs> so I noticed, it's a couple, um, I noticed, Sally, you've done a, more of the talking. Is that often how it goes? Well, yes, because yeah, 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 or he never talks to me or whatever, boom, you're off on an issue right there. Mm -hmm. um, so point, reveal the system and ask about it, get curious. So there's the dynamic. The, the system is already waving a flag saying unequal power. Let's mm -hmm. find out how that works. And don't, don't make the assumption that the one that's more dominant is calling all the shots because I've made that mistakes. Yeah. So just point it out and ask about it, but don't make any assumption that it's a problem because sometimes it works for people that way. Yeah. So how can you call them out without seeming like you're siding with them? 
or the other person. That's sometimes something that I worry about because I don't want it to seem like I'm then siding on the quiet person's side. Yeah, that's where I'm thinking about our, that session we had with transparency. Mm-hmm. What would it be like, Katie, for you to say, I'm having this feeling, but I notice that I'm holding back saying it because I'm a little bit worried that you'll think I'm voting here. And uh. you, do you want to know or do you know? And of course, they'll usually go, yeah, what are you thinking? And I'll say, well, I was thinking I want to side with the quiet one because of this reason. Offer it. That's your intelligence that made you notice a signal. Offer that signal to them. See what they do with it. And they might say, you're crazy, lady. I, you know, and they stomp out of the session. That's what we were always afraid of. <laughs> I've had that happen to me. <laughs> That's so brilliant because it's so simple. It's all there. It's so simple. But we do make it really hard, particularly early on. We're we're there trying to problem solve and have all the answers and say the right thing in the most articulate way. And and really, it's there's the simple, obvious stuff. And it's normally what you can feel. Yeah, I think as long as we're worrying about um, looking like we are giving value, then we have to show up as if we're experts. When you give up on worrying about giving value because you know they will give themselves value, all you have to do is ask stupid questions, then you re- there's a huge relaxation that occurs. You can say, I'm feeling pretty stuck. Are you feeling stuck? Great. So why do you think we're stuck? You know, just... <laughs> I love it. So in summary, agenda, all you have to do is ask stupid questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Yeah. And don't be, and don't freak out over it. You don't have to, you don't have to knock, you don't have to check that box really quick. Lounge around in luxury and finding out what they want to talk about. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you so much, Faith. This was brilliant. That was fun. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Relationship Matters podcast. In this episode, Faith and I discussed ways we can more skillfully pin down a client's agenda. And here are my key takeaways. Use unfolding questions to dig deeper. If a client brings in a really vague topic or goal, help them to find out what lies beneath the surface. What are they really asking for? Be careful not to focus on your own agenda rather than listening to the client. Don't be afraid to take longer over agenda setting. This is what sets the tone of the session and is the catalyst for everything that follows. And finally, a tool without a topic isn't likely to be helpful. Pin down an agenda and the session will be clearer for the client and simpler for you as a coach. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you never miss an episode. And for further articles, resources, and to hear more about Faith's work, do check out crrglobal.com. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. <laughs>